Welcome to episode 59 of The First 40 Miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, if eating more bacon is your new 2016 New Year's resolution, we're here to support you with five creative ways for you to achieve your goal. Then, if leaving your sleeping bag in the morning is a real challenge, we have a unique solution for you on the Summit Gear Review. On the Backpack Hack of the Week, vegan alternative bacon is not as gross as it sounds. We promise, and we'll share a recipe with you. Then we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a guy who enjoys the good life. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, we are right in this little window of time here where the kids have been out of school for, I don't know, about a week and a half now. And they still have more time off. And that means lots of free time, lots of kids twiddling their thumbs, wondering what to do. And it's cold outside and it gets dark really early. And so we have kind of this recipe for disaster. You know, once you've made all the gingerbread cookies you want to make, once you've opened up all the presents, once you've lost all the pieces for the puzzle that you got for Christmas, you kind of have this tension that builds up in the house. And that's where you have a really great opportunity to get outside. And yet sometimes it doesn't happen. And so I wonder sometimes what keeps us from getting out. I fall into this trap too, where I can spend all day inside and never make it outside. And yet I have like this inner drive that if I've spent like a day inside, I go nuts. And so it's like every day I've got to get outside. And so I usually end up kind of pulling the family out and, and we get out and do something. And you're so good at that. But it is cold and that's tough and dark in the winter. When I was growing up as a scout, one of my least favorite things was the polar bear swim. It combined two of my most unfavorite things, swimming, which I was horrible at, I still am horrible at it, and cold. I just don't like cold. I mean, we're talking about polar bear swim at scout camp in July in Washington state. So cold means... No ice chunks in the river. No No ice (laughs) chunks in the river, right. I mean, cold means it was 60 degrees out and the lake water was, you know, 55 degrees. That's what polar bear meant to me. But it felt like I was just going to freeze and die. And yet I've read and heard some things about people who recommend taking cold showers in the morning. And the reason they recommend that is because it gives your body kind of a, I guess, a shock or something different than the constant 72 degrees that you're surrounded by every day. And that that shock is actually healthy for your body. Now, I can't bring myself to do a cold shower that hot shower just feels way too good in the morning. And so I like to think that maybe the hot shower gives me the shock, uh, even though maybe it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Nice theory. (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) But apparently there's something about being exposed to differences. 
that keeps our bodies healthy and that when we are constantly exposed to the same thing, then our body sort of over adapts. And you in, become in a, kind of weak or? Yeah, it becomes weaker yeah. because it doesn't have to respond to those changes. And so I like to think about that when I think about getting outside in the wintertime because we spend the day inside the house where it's 72 degrees and or in an office or in a car. It's all the same temperature. And you look outside and you think, oh, man, it's just cold out there today. I, do I really want to bundle up and go to all the extra work to go out there and then to just know I'm going to be uncomfortable? It's certainly not like walking outside on a warm summer day where everything is just so easy and relaxing. It's funny because all four of our kids know that this is the month of December and yet none of them wear weather appropriate clothing. We have a child who, sorry, we have two kids who wear shorts to school and we've told them, you know, it's winter. You got to wear something fuzzy and cozy and warm. And they, and they just don't, they don't. One of them wears a light rain jacket with his shorts and some little bit longer socks, right? So I guess it kind of covers part of his legs. He pulls them all the way up. This is the one who tucked his pants into his socks when we were going on that hike. Yeah, to avoid getting ticks on his legs. And we occasionally ask the kids, hey, um, have your teachers at school said anything about your shorts? Like, are they sending you to the office to get long pants? I've talked to other parents and they said, we have the same battle at home. They tell their kids, it's time to wear pants, not shorts. Like, put on something, but maybe it's good for the kids. Maybe it, you know, toughens them up, helps them acclimate. I don't know. But yeah, it's just a battle in our house. So what happens to us when we grow up and we become so averse to discomfort that we won't even go outside when it's cold? And yet children will not only go outside, but go outside with shorts and short sleeve shirts on. Our audience already knows how we feel about thermal neutrality. We've stated our position on that very <laughs> yes, clearly. Yes, I guess we have. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe there's something to be said for thermal adaptability. Yeah, I think there is. And so while I haven't really found you know, all the science or the research, I just kind of have this thought and, and idea that it's healthy to get outside in the wintertime and to expose yourself to cold. You know, not frostbite sort of exposure, but a little bit of discomfort. And here's what I've noticed. I go outside, it's cold, and I spend, I would say if I spend about a half hour outside, my body starts to adapt. It starts generating more heat. And after I've been outside a while, I figured out I can sit on the porch swing in the front of our house. It could be 40 degrees outside and I can sit there and read a book because I've been outside long enough to where I acclimated to it. And so it's really just that initial push, getting yourself out the door. And once you're out there, your body can do amazing things and you'll become more comfortable over time. So are we changing our political position on thermal neutrality? It's now thermal acclimation and we've got to make a new, we got to build a new soapbox. For thermal adaptability. Thermal adaptability. I suppose so. I don't know. (laughs) We'll just have to go back and and erase a a whole opening from an episode. Maybe we can find a political candidate who will uh, support thermal adaptability. This is not the first time that we've completely uh, 
argued the counterpoint to something that we talked about in an earlier episode. <laughs> are we flip-floppers? Yeah, I guess we are. Which reminds me, I like to wear sandals in the winter. Hmm. I What's guess... wrong with you? <laughs> Call me a flip-flopper. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay, that took me a while to get that one. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> Wow, we're starting off with outtakes already. First five minutes. All right. (laughs) Well, should we do the top five ways to eat more bacon? Yes. For today's top five list, we have the top five ways to eat more bacon. Bacon, I think, falls into the same category as pumpkin pie. Like everyone talks about how great pumpkin pie is. But what they really mean is I like pumpkin pie spice. Like, it's all the spices, the flavoring that go into this basically bland vegetable that make pumpkin pie what it is. So bacon is basically fatty, thinly sliced pork. And I don't know if there's a whole lot of flavor in it. The flavor comes from the smoking. When it's smoked, like hickory smoked or or maybe, maybe maple I don't know if I can answer your question, but all I'm thinking is that Jim Gaffigan would so disagree with you. Like Bacon is its own category. And the only thing better than bacon is bacon with bacon. <laughs> I am going to disprove you and your friend Jim with my top five list of ways to eat more bacon, which includes some items that aren't even bacon, but they still give you that bacon rush. Okay, try me. Okay. Number one is real bacon bits. So, not bacos. Does that work with you, Josh? Is that okay? Does that fit your requirements for bacon? Yeah, bacon bits are bacon. Okay. Yeah, they're relatively inexpensive because they're all the little tiny pieces that they probably chopped off of real strips of bacon. Um, And you can usually find them on the salad dressing aisle in the grocery store. And they come in really convenient packages that can be resealed. So it's the kind of thing you could just buy one or two packages and throw them in your pack along with your food and then add them to everything. Bacon bits are a great calorie and flavor enhancer. And so you can add them to, you know, lots of different dinners that you might have while you're backpacking. Punch up the flavor and at the same time, punch up the calories in your meal. The number two way to eat more bacon is with pre-cooked bacon strips. Now, it might seem like, ah, you could just do this yourself. You know, buy a pound of bacon and cook it up and then throw it in a plastic bag. But this is already done for you. It doesn't require any refrigeration. The bacon strips are laid out perfectly on these little pieces of wax paper in a zip-top pouch. And actually, if you do the math, it may come out to be even cheaper than buying a pound of bacon and cooking it up yourself. I mean, it looks like you're getting like two ounces of bacon for $5, but what they do is they cook out all the things that you would have cooked out, plus all the time that it took to do that and package it up perfectly. So it's really... For what we're using it for, I think it's a great deal. The pre-cooked bacon strips end up being about 140 calories an ounce, which is fantastic. Pre-cooked bacon strips are part of my favorite backpacking breakfast. I take some granola with some Neato whole milk powder mixed into it, so it's easy to just add water. And then on the side, I eat a few pre-cooked bacon strips. I don't even heat them up. I just pull them straight out of that zip-top bag and just eat them with my granola while I'm sitting there on a hillside watching a beautiful view. There's nothing better. 
Yeah, they don't have a lot of fat on them. I mean, they're very high calorie, but you know when you make your own bacon at home and then if there's any leftover, you can refrigerate it and it gets that white fatty stuff on the outside because the fat has solidified. Um, these are pretty clean on the outside. So you really can just pull them out of the package and eat them straight out of the package. It's not gross. Okay, so, so far I'm with you. Bacon bits and pre-cooked bacon. All right, well, the number three way to eat more bacon is smoked almonds. And these actually beat out bacon in the calories per ounce category. These are 170 calories per ounce. And the great thing about smoked almonds is that they're ubiquitous. You can find them pretty much at any convenience store, any grocery store, any little, uh, you know, Best Buy or Target or whatever. They have them everywhere. Actually, I don't know if they have them at Best Buy, but I've checked out at, you know, electronic stores and they have a little food section. It seems like it seems like I've seen them somewhere, you know. They are pretty much everywhere. And okay, I'll give you this one too. They're not bacon, but almonds just taste really good in their own right. And you've got me with the 170 calories per ounce. That's pretty impressive. 170 calories of heart-healthy fat. There's that too. Yeah, they actually have nutrients in them. Well, then are we ready for number four? Yeah, bring it on. The number four way to eat more bacon on the trail is with homemade coconut bacon. And I'm just going to say, I was not a believer until I tried it. It's 180 calories an ounce. It uses only four ingredients and it is amazing. And I know I said it doesn't taste anything like bacon. That was when I took it out of the oven. I have in my notes that it tastes nothing like bacon. It smells really good, but it's disgusting. But what you have to do is you have to wait for it to crisp up after you take it out of the oven. And after it cools down, then all of a sudden something happens and it turns into bacon. It's so good. So when you gave me a sample to taste, was this right out of the oven or was this after it had aged to become bacon? I think I gave it to you and I said, I'm not very happy with how it turned out here. Try it. What do you think? And oh, it wasn't very yeah. amazing. But I do have samples here that this is the homemade coconut bacon. Okay. You can hear. I'll try it again and we'll see. It's pretty crisp. Wow. You know what? <gasps> it is better. Yeah. It is better than when you first took it out of the oven. Yeah. When I tasted it and I was like, eh, no, it's just trying to be bacon. Yeah, when I took it out, it was like limp and flavorless. But in the 20 minutes after I baked it, when it kind of crisped up, something happened. I wish everyone could see the smile on your face. Would it replace bacon in my pack or not? That's... I'm, I'm currently mulling over that question. Did I already mention it's 180 calories an ounce? That mm. you mentioned, and that is factoring into my thought process here. That is more calorie dense than bacon. I'll let you think about it for the rest of the show, and then you can give us your answer at the end. Okay, because you're going to share the recipe for this one. Oh, yeah. In the backpack hack of the week. All right, I'll mull it over for a few minutes. Well, the number five way to eat more bacon on the trail is with smoked Gouda. Now, it's only 101 calories an ounce, so it just 
barely makes the cut by one calorie. But Gouda really is a really travel-friendly cheese, and it's one of the more reasonably priced cheeses. So if you can find smoked Gouda, it melts really well. It's fun to mix into your meals, and it's just fun to snack on on the trail. I do like smoked Gouda. I'll have to give you that. I would not use it as a replacement for my bacon to go with my granola in the morning. I don't think that would quite work, but I would use it in other places. So if I was going to have bacon on mashed potatoes for dinner, that would be a good time to pull out some smoked Gouda and let it kind of melt into the potatoes. That would be really good. Absolutely. I love it. And you're kind of winning me over with the coconut bacon, even though I didn't like it the first time I tried it. And I thought maybe you were going to pull out, um, remember when you got on a kick doing seitan? Uh, that's because I had a vegan brother. <laughs> I just wanted to do something nice for him. And I don't think he even liked that. I think it was kind of a try it because it's not meat. <laughs> it's just weird stuff. It was. Uh, what is it made of? Uh, soy? No, it's made of wheat gluten. Wheat. So you just take wheat, just like white wheat. I can't remember. I think you turn it into some kind of glutinous ball by mixing it, you know, for a long time. And then you wash that ball. So you're washing all the other stuff out except for the gluten. So it ends up being this little tight ball wad of gluten. And then you can cook that up. Yeah, it's not very healthy. And but it's definitely an interesting food science experiment. So don't try that to replace bacon either. But yeah, the the five that you shared on the list, even the coconut bacon is, uh, I think I'm going to let it stay on the list. We have a winner! For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Exped Dream Walker Sleeping Bag. It's a sleeping bag that has armholes and a cinch string and interior pockets so that it can be used as a sleeping bag and a down jacket. And at first, you might be thinking, oh, this is for people that just like to lounge around in their pajamas and snuggy all day long. So yeah, it could be used for that, and it may or may not have been used for that purpose in our house. <laughs> but on the trail, this sleeping bag option is really nice, because one of the hardest things to do on the trail when you're backpacking is to leave the comfort of your soft warm cocoon. And maybe that has a little bit to do with what we were talking about in our opening, that just the temperature shock, you know, like going from being, oh, perfectly 72 degrees to plunging down into the upper 40s and kind of that initial shock. That's a really difficult transition. So here we are coming back to our thermal neutrality position, right? Because we're saying, hey, here's a sleeping bag where you can avoid that shock of getting out of your tent because you'll just take the sleeping bag with you. Yeah, you can. So this sleeping bag is designed to be used as both a sleeping bag and a jacket because of the way that it's built. So it has zippers on the side that you can slide your hands out of. It has a hood that you can wear just like a hood. And then the cinch string at the bottom is what makes it so you can pull it up around your waist and then cinch it tight. And then the rest of the sleeping bag kind of folds down around you and ends up falling around your, um, just below your knees. It is categorized as neither a mummy nor a rectangle sleeping bag. It has a different categorization called the Mantel Schlafsack, which means coat sleeping bag in German. The Dreamwalker has two different options. It comes in goose down or synthetic. 
And then there are also different temperature ratings for this bag. Really, it's meant for summertime camping and shoulder season camping. They don't really have a deep winter dreamwalker. The shell of the bag is 20 denier ripstop nylon, and the liner is 30 denier. The hood that it comes with has a brim. It has pockets on the inside of the bag and the outside of the bag. And just in case you're wondering, the zipper that opens up the armhole is accessible from the inside and the outside of the bag, so you can get yourself out of the bag. You, know, you don't have to unzip the front of the bag to let your arms out. Exped also makes a Dreamwalker Duo sleeping bag that's uh, for two people. And we really kind of wondered, how would you get two people into one of these duo sleeping bags wearing it as a coat? It's kind of a funny picture. Like I could put my arm out one side <laughs> and you could put your arm out the other. And then we could try to, it's kind of like the uh, potato sack races. Oh, yeah. Or, or no, no, no. The ones where your legs are tied together. Oh, yeah, yeah, And you yeah, have to yeah. race. The three-legged race. But that's not what it is. Uh, it's more of a quilt uh, system. So it goes over top of two people, um, but one person can wear it as a coat. So that means you have to kick one person out, and then you can wear it. That's harsh. Yeah. I would never kick you out. Yeah. So I would say if you're going to go with these sleeping bags, get the regular ones so that each person can have their own. It's really great for just wearing around the fire at night when temperatures are dropping quickly and you just need a little extra warmth or for morning breakfast when you wake up and you just don't want to get out of your sleeping bag. You can just stay in there and uh, slide on a pair of shoes and go have breakfast. If you are going to use this sleeping bag as a jacket and kind of do double duty, you know, uh, multi-use gear, then you're going to have to have appropriate rain gear to protect the down that's inside the sleeping bag. You do not want to be without insulation. And if you use it as a jacket and you end up drenching it, you've also lost your sleeping bag. With the Exped Dreamwalker 450, you'll be happiest when the nighttime temperatures are in the 35 to 45 degree range. And with the Exped Dreamwalker 650, you'll be happiest in the 25 to 35 degree Fahrenheit range. Uh, the Exped Dreamwalker 450 comes in at 30 ounces or uh, just under two pounds. The 650 comes in at 40 ounces, about two and a half pounds. I I'd say that's probably middle of the road weight considering the temperature ratings on those bags. They're uh, 82 inches long. Shoulder width is about 30 inches and the foot width down in the foot box is about uh, 25 and a half inches. So it narrows a little bit as it gets down to the foot box, but not a whole lot. Maybe not quite as much as a, a regular mummy bag. For maintenance, you'll just want to hand or machine wash using the gentle cycle and use lukewarm water and a special down detergent. And make sure that it's rinsed thoroughly. And then one thing that people who are new to using down may not understand is that when down gets wet, it clumps. And so when you put a down bag through the dryer, you're going to want to use something that will unclump that down. So that's why a lot of times you'll read, put a few tennis balls in with your down jacket or your down bag or throw something in. You could even use balled up socks, you know, when you match up socks and you kind of roll them up. Throw those in, just anything to knock the feathers apart from each other because they just want to stick together. And if they stick together, then they won't dry as quickly. Just toss it in the dryer and make sure that it dries 100% completely. Down sleeping bags or down quilts 
have the potential of lasting 30 plus years. So you always want to keep that in mind when you're caring for your bag. You know, is what you're doing going to maintain your bag or is it going to be a little too rough on it? So no bleach, no fabric softener, and don't get it near dry cleaning chemicals. Just be as gentle as you can with your investment. And then when you're finished washing it, make sure you store your sleeping bag in a really large mesh bag, which is included with this sleeping bag. The investment for the Exped Dreamwalker is $349 for the Exped Dreamwalker 450 dollars and $449 for the Dreamwalker 650 And they come with a five-year warranty. This bag is great for people who have a hard time with the whole a sleep-awake transition thing. I do. I know I don't like going to bed at night, and I don't like getting up in the morning. And so this bag makes it so you have a really nice transition. So you have like this warm, cozy place to go at night, and then when you wake up, you don't have to leave the nice, warm, cozy place. You can just stay there. In fact, you could wear it all day if you want to. And then also, if you are the kind of person who wants to minimize your gear, this might be a really great piece of gear to look into. You're not going to win any fashion contests, and I don't think anyone really has that goal on the trail. But, you know, it doesn't have the same trim fit that a down jacket would. But on the other hand, you won't have to be carrying another jacket. You can just use your sleeping bag as your jacket for this trip. So I can imagine the best situation where this would be a good fit is probably uh, shoulder season when it's um, dry and the temperatures are probably fairly warm in the day. So you're not going to need to be wearing a jacket during the day, or at least not a down puffy, but they dip at night, uh, not too low, but they dip far enough to where sitting around the campfire or, or just sitting around eating your dinner, you could start to get chilled. So you can put this on. Uh, It gives you that extra warmth through the evening. You can just sleep in it at night, and then you've got that extra warmth in the morning. But by the time you start off hiking, you're going to take it off, stick it in your pack, and you know that within five or ten minutes of starting your hike, you'll be warming up, you know, because of the physical activity, and then you'll be fine. And I would say it's really great for summer because it has such great ventilation. If you are a naturally hot sleeper, you are going to love this bag because not only can you zip down the front of it, you can also zip open the armholes and you can also uncinch the bottom completely so your feet can be wild and free. So there's an option for you, the Exped Dreamwalker. And we've reviewed the 450 and 650, which are downfilled. And like we said, there are other options on the website, and we will put a link in the show notes. And the show notes for this episode are at thefirst40miles.com slash 059. For today's backpack hack of the week, coconut bacon, also known as smokinut. Smokinut. I just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Well, this is for all the vegans and vegetarians out there or people who may feel left out when we talk about bacon. It's okay. There's an option for you and it's amazing. For this recipe, you'll need three cups of large unsweetened coconut flakes. Now, this is totally different from the sweetened shredded coconut that you see in the baking aisle. 
there's a good chance that these coconut flakes won't even be near the baking aisle. You're going to find them probably on the health food aisle or the Bob's Red Mill section, or maybe even if you have a bulk section in your grocery store, you might be able to find them there. And then you'll need three tablespoons of soy sauce or tamari, two tablespoons of real maple syrup, and bonus points if it's from Vermont, triple bonus points if you tapped the syrup yourself. And then you'll need one tablespoon of liquid smoke. The liquid smoke that we use is hickory, but I've also been able to find mesquite, and then online I've seen applewood and pecan, which I would love to try those. But anyway, we've just tried it with the hickory, which is a pretty basic smoky flavor pretty familiar tasting. You know what? When I was a kid, we tried tapping our maple trees and we lived in Washington state. So it didn't really get cold enough at night and warm enough in the day to get a lot of sap flow, right? That's why it's so good in Vermont because it gets warm enough in the day for all the sap to come up and then it gets cold enough at night for all the sap to go back down. Uh, and in Washington state in the spring, it's like it goes from, you know, 40 degrees to 42 degrees yeah. and back down to 40. <laughs> But we did get some sap and then we boiled that down and we did get a tiny amount of real maple syrup for, from our own backyard. Oh, that is so cool. One tree? No, we did it with several trees, um, maybe half a dozen. Okay, well now is the perfect time to do it, right? Winter? Coming up, yeah, I think February is kind of the, the time to do it. All right, well get your, get your equipment ready. Yeah, and then make some smoking it. Then let us know on Facebook or Twitter because yeah, you're getting like triple bonus points for that. Wow, and then what can they do with the bonus points? Oh uh, well, nothing. <laughs> Sorry, we don't really have a plan, so yay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll share their post. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> That's about it. Anyway, so you've got three cups of large unsweetened coconut flakes, three tablespoons of soy sauce, two tablespoons of this maple syrup that you tapped from your backyard. <laughs> and one tablespoon of liquid smoke. And then preheat the oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit, and then line a baking sheet with parchment paper. Then put all of your ingredients into a bowl and stir it until it's all coated and combined, and then evenly spread it onto the parchment paper that's on the baking pan. So I set the timer for 15 minutes, and when I checked, it still wasn't really done. So I set it for another five minutes, and then I just kind of kept checking every couple minutes after that. And I would say start with 15 minutes and keep kind of stirring, moving things around for, you know, five to 10 minutes after that. You're not going to have crispy bacon when you pull it out of the oven, but you do want the coconut to be somewhat toasted and you want the maple syrup to be somewhat caramelized. When you pull it out of the oven, you are going to think that you failed completely. What you have to do is wait for the bacon or the smokinut to cool all the way. And when it cools, then you can taste it and you'll know. You just don't want to get to the point where you've scorched it. So you could probably keep toasting it until, until it's somewhat brown and toasted, but not burnt. So I can let it go in the oven for the first 15 minutes. And then at that point, start checking. And sometime before I get to the 25-minute mark, I've probably gotten uh, to where I need to pull it out. Yeah, and I'm sorry to be so vague, but it's one of those things where you just have to, like, you know, keep peeking, opening up the oven and stirring it around a little bit, maybe taking a little test bite. 
it's not it's not going to be crispy when you test it, but at least, you know. Yeah, like if it's overcooked, you're going to start to taste that the sugar has gone bitter. If it's undercooked, it's probably still really limp. Yeah. You know, just like white, raw coconut. Yeah. So you want to be somewhere in between. And then you can store this in a mason jar. I would say it's probably good for a month on the shelf. Great. Well, you can uh, look up the recipe in the show notes for today's episode, thefirst40miles.com slash 059. And we'll leave you with a little trail wisdom today from our good friend on the trail, Wendell Berry. He's a prolific author, a poet, and a simple back-to-nature kind of guy. Well, here's what he said. Always in big woods, when you leave familiar ground and step off alone to a new place, there will be, along with feelings of curiosity and excitement, a little nagging of dread. It is the ancient fear of the unknown, and it is your bond with the wilderness you are going into. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Okay. <clears throat> Actually made tofu bacon. That wasn't too bad. The tofu jerky. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it all got eaten up. But... Is that when down? Sorry. Oh, you got a text. What does it say? What does it say? The school district. Ooh. In a dry, dry dark area. Dry, dark. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs>